I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 2020, so, like, at this point, especially when it comes to, like, young adult stuff, I can't really think of, like, any huge, like, young adult fantasy novels that haven't at least tried. I mean, because there's, like, mm-hmm. you got Aragon, which which flopped because it really yeah. wasn't a good adaptation. You've you got, got the Percy Jackson stuff. Yeah, you've got the Percy That's Jackson. A couple iterations now. Which I think is now getting a Disney Plus show, yeah. or at least they're trying to make it into a right. show, which is a better choice, honestly, but... Yeah. Narnia had a good run there for a minute. Yeah, I mean, three films. That's that's pretty. I, I never saw Don Treader. I didn't know if that was I, good or yeah, not. I didn't bother. Uh, 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 let's see. Redwall's probably the big. Yeah, Redwall's never the, actually happened. Yeah, it's, but they've tried. Yeah, Redwall seems like that film that's like it. It always sold me as that type of film where it's like early in its run. It was maybe talked about a Don Bluth animated film. Mm-hmm. Not saying that that was ever announced. It just feels like that series where it's like every decade has their version of what it should be. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we could do it like this, or we could do it like that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. we're in 2020, and it's been... Because, like, Redwall's, like, what, 40-plus years? Yeah, it's it's old. I was going to say it's an old series, but uh, that's not what we're talking about today. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, uh, here's the segue for oh, you. you yeah, please. Segue? I thought that was going to be the segue, but I buckled. <laughs> um, I, uh, the the one I went going into this owl movie that we just watched. Yes. Um, I was thinking, oh, this movie is probably the answer to the question of why we haven't gotten a Redwall movie. Yeah. Because uh, nobody remembers this movie, but yeah. having seen it, now I'm like. Now I want a Red Wall movie because this was good and I liked it. Yeah. So today on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, I'm Logan Sowash, and I'm Andy Carr. And today we are doing something a bit different. It's a first for the show. We are doing what we like to call a freequel. In this situation, when we usually when we talk about a freequel in this kind of situation, we are talking about. Basically an episode that'll either tie to an upcoming podcast trilogy that we want to do, or will basically be like a epilogue to an already finished trilogy. Mm-hmm. And today, the first prequel that we're doing is actually going to be an epilogue for our Rise of Snyder trilogy. Because the film we are talking about today, not only did we both forget was in his filmography, <laughs> but it's also the only animated film that Zack Snyder has ever done, which is 2010's Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Gahul. Gahul. <laughs> and yeah. it's a film that we both, I think, remember the trailer when it came out oh, initially. Yeah. I remember hearing about yeah. it. And of course, I think we even more vividly remember the books being a popular thing. Yeah, so this is based off of the Guardians of Gahul series, which is a young adult fantasy about like an owl kingdom. Like It's not talking yeah. about a world that's just owls, it's just focusing specifically on owls. Mm-hmm. And it's a series that like has gone on for so long that I think if you count all the companion books and like the <laughs> spinoffs, it's in the 30 plus novels yeah and it's like a huge series that honestly looking at it now it's like i can see why someone would be interested in doing this film it's just weird that this film is a Zack snyder film yeah it's the only Zack snyder film that is not at least pg-13 <laughs> yeah. this is the only kid-friendly snyder film i would say i think it also comes out at a weird time in his filmography. It's right after Watchmen. Because it comes right after Watchmen. <laughs> and and right then after this, he goes and does Sucker Punch. Yeah, which, a dumpster you know, fire. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is why we're so kind of shocked by this movie. Because this movie might honestly be the best Snyder film in his filmography. Uh, 
it is genuinely great in places it's overall really good but like it's just shocking how all the snyderisms you see early in his career that he builds and we see ad nauseum in his dc films show up in the gahul film and they feel perfectly integrated to what they're trying to do yeah i think i think all of the all of the isms and little stylings that Zack snyder has been you know memed to hell and back for uh, you know, whether it's like the slow-mo or the kind of airbrush mm-hmm. CGI mm-hmm. or whatever, the real painterly images and stuff, all that stuff that gets criticized in his other movies, like, it's on display here, and it works yeah. really well for the it's, most part. It's just bizarre because we went into this film not expecting it to be bad. We just expected it to be forgettable. Yeah. And in all honesty, what's very interesting about this movie, too, is this movie is adapting the first three novels. Which, just asking any film to do the first three novels of anything, it feels like there's going to be some issues with pacing, it's going to lose some things. And while it does feel like we're not getting the entire context, because you can't when you're trying to adapt a series that yeah. is usually 200 plus paged books here and there, it still is feels so coherent and feels honestly kind of final at the end of this, where it's yeah. like, if it doesn't get a sequel, which... We're talking about it in 2020. It did not. It still holds up on its own. Yeah. Which is so... Why is he not doing more animated films? Oh, yeah. it's all, so, I, all I want now it's is so weird. Zack Snyder animated films. Like, I, I don't want I, anything I else I looked up him. interviews with him. Because I was like, I just want to hear him talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. And the first interview I picked up, literally the first interview I picked, it was like, he wanted to do an animated film because, one, he's never done one before. And, two, he had the... He had the ability to basically watch and curate every frame by frame. Mm. He can control every frame of a film like he really couldn't in live action. Right. So he's like, that was an appeal to him. And I feel like that's something where it's like maybe Warner Brothers after Watchmen said, like, we have something that if you want to do this. I mean, I don't know for certain why he does this film other than he just wanted to do an animated film. Yeah. And like him talking about it where it's like he, he like is super plain and simple about it where he's like, I had no idea how to do an animated film. <laughs> like when he like the early stages of the film, he basically was working with the animators to learn the ropes on how to direct an animated film and taught those animators how to do live action in his way. And they basically okay. worked in tandem to make this film feel like a Zack Snyder film, but also <laughs> a really good, beautiful animated film. And it's just yeah. so weird. It was honestly really funny how, like, at the beginning when we were watching this, we had a friend who honestly felt like he was just waiting for it to get really bad. Yeah. And then he got silent because he started really enjoying the film. <laughs> then we had two other friends, uh, I mean, your girlfriend and one of my roommates, mm-hmm. who was like, who they weren't really expecting to really get much out of this. Right. And then they realized, like, oh, we're all kind of slowly getting into this. <laughs> yeah. And by the end of it, we were cheering we're excited for owl action. Like, it's oh, the weird dude, thing where it's that like... owl on owl action is something else. I'll tell you what. But, no, but like, seriously, though, it's like, that's... I mean, 8 out of 10 joke right there. Nice to pull it in there. But, like, the actual action in this film it's really works good. really well. Like, it's yeah. hilarious how you see owls with swords yeah. and metal talons, and it's super badass how they choreograph it and... Yeah. Which there is a great clip that's on the internet where you see Snyder explaining how owl, owls fight... <laughs> and you watch him use his body to kind of like mime what do they the do, owl and it's great because he's putting everything into those movements. <laughs> but it's like it's just frustrating watching this film because we're like, why is this? Why is this not his thing? 
Yeah. Like, I don't think he could ever be a Pete Doctor or a John Lasseter or even a Brad Bird, no, per se, animation-wise. I don't think he necessarily has the story chops to do no, that. No, but I but... think he, like, he has the visual mindset yeah. that I feel like that could come up, that could help some of his shortcomings if he gets great writers surrounding mm-hmm. it. And it also helps, too, that, like we said during our Watchmen discussion, that this film, I think, works so well because he is trying his best to keep with the novels. Yeah, he's it's... not trying to kidify it for an animated film, and he's not trying to make it super edgy like you might think he would in his <laughs> later films. Yeah, he's trying to be respectful to the source material, and it actually feels respectful and perfect to the no- like. It actually yeah, made me want to go like, I don't know if I'm going to read these novels, but <laughs> if I was a kid and I saw this, I would give it a thought. I would definitely want to be like, maybe. Yeah. Well, and it's. I mean, it's almost kind of similar. I guess just in, in comparison to his filmography, it's kind of similar in 300 in a way because it's, you know, he kind of just sticks more to the source material and just does yeah. a straightforward yeah. adaptation, you know, page to screen rather than, you know, Watchmen where he kind of tries to infuse his own thing it's... or the later superhero <laughs> movies where he tries to yeah. create his own vision of the character. I just think it's so shocking that... We do Dawn of the Dead, and it's forgettable. Yeah. It's bad, but not horribly bad. Like, if you enjoy it, I'm glad you can enjoy that. <laughs> and then we get to the three films that we now find out are the best of Snyder. Yeah. Which is 300, Watchmen, and now Guardians of Gahul. And it's so crazy to think, like, when we initially said we want to do Guardians of Gahul, or Owls of Gahul, we didn't really think that we were going to get anything out of this. Really, yeah, like, Or at least well, not yeah. much of substance to the point where, like... We have to do it because we want to do Snyder's filmography. Let's probably just get this one out of the way. Right, but it, it's been a trilogy or, you know, in a sense, a quadrilogy that's gotten progressively more fun. It's And it's honestly gotten better. Well, each. yeah, the, the yeah, films like, have pretty much gotten better, but, like, it's just gotten more interesting and fun, whereas yeah. I kind of thought, like, uh, four Snyder movies, like, I'm going to be exhausted. No, yeah, it's... <laughs> thankfully, it's been like, okay, thank God 300 is still what I remember being... I respect Watchmen a little bit more this time around. It's still flawed. And then this one's like, why the fuck is he not doing animated movies? Ugh. This is insanely good. Like, yeah, it's so it's... weird how it's like, like tomorrow if they said, we're making another Gahul film, <laughs> I would be genuinely excited to yeah. see what that would be if he did that. Yeah. Well, and, and like, animation-wise, I mean, this came out in 2010. It's 10 years old, and, like, you can't even part, tell. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't, can't tell. even it tell. It hasn't aged a day. It I mean, looks... you look at like you look at like Toy Story three. Yeah, that movie has aged. There are yeah. certain elements of that where you're like, oh yeah, we've done better than that yeah, since you, then. You watch but Toy this... Story four and go, oh my god, three's dated. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even realize yeah, but that. Like, I I don't even know what a 2020 <laughs> Guardians of Gahul movie would look like. I, I'm scared, but I'm excited. Yeah, that like, was would it be photo real at this point. It would have to. It's so weird that this film. Like I was, that was the one thing I was initially thinking about going into this movie, where it's like. How are the owls talking like people not going to be weird? Yeah. Or, like, not only do they do owls with English voices, Australian speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Australian accent. like a mix of British and Australian and New Zealand. Yeah. And it's mainly Australian, Australian which is very weird because yeah. it's, like, hilariously, the books are based in North America. But they decided <laughs> to go Australian with this, which, it good works. on them. I really, I really enjoy the cast in this. Like... Because most of the cast in this, you actually know from other things. Mm-hmm. But like, this is very early in their careers, so it's like you're not really, you're not really distracted by any of their voices. Probably yeah. weaving is the most distracting, but not in a bad way. 
In uh, fact, yeah, he's probably the most yeah. like, oh, that's Hugo Weaving. <laughs> yeah, and then like Sam Neill. I will say Sam Neill was kind of like, Robert okay, Rash. yeah, but they're they're perfect but for they're their owl great. designs. Yeah, they're, yeah they're it's great. like it's just, it's just so weird how good this movie is. Yeah, I I I know we're gonna say this a lot this episode <laughs> because we just need to it. We can't not reiterate it's, it more. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing. Although at the same time, I do understand from an audience perspective why it didn't really get the support that it needed to like Absol- spawn sequels. Oh, or absolutely! Stay in the, the cultural. It's the owl movie. It's yeah, so it, weird. it's an like, owl movie. Like, I remember, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but, like, two or three years after this movie came out, DreamWorks did, I believe, Rise of the Guardians. Right. Which was, like, their, yeah. uh, Alec Baldwin is Russian Santa. Yeah, was, yeah the Santa Hol- superhero, yeah. or, like, yeah. holiday superhero Yeah, like, movie. the Holiday Avengers type thing. It's yeah. not a bad film, but, like, sure. at the same time, my initial reaction was, is this a sequel to that Yeah, owl? I remember And then, like, oh, that. this has nothing to do with it. This is a different type of Guardians. But that's yeah. kind of... It's kind of what makes it even more frustrating where it's like, I completely understand why this movie doesn't make $400 million in the box office. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm angry that it doesn't because if it did, maybe a studio would probably try to push Snyder into a more animated yeah. sector. And instead, well, and if we it don't sound, get that. I mean, if it sounds like he, you know, found the process so gratifying, you know, that he was able to, you know, mm-hmm. perfect the film frame by frame and piece by piece... Yeah, I, I to me it would make sense to have him do more stuff. But I mean, of course, then if you get the offer to do Superman, you know, well, let's think, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the that thing too. Now. I didn't even know is like this was the year that like it was official that he was going to do yeah. Superman because like the re- the interview that I watched that was with him, the interviewer was like, "Congratulations on Superman!" Like it was already yeah. like he is post Watchmen, a film that doesn't is not a bomb, but it really isn't a box office hit at all. No. Made yet, waves culturally, yeah. though. And yet he gets an animated kids film. <laughs> he gets Superman just after that, and also gets the ability to make his own wholly original film that's a hundred plus million dollars in box or like yeah. not box office, but in budget. Right. And it's like, or at least I think so. That movie looks like it has a lot of money put into it, but it's <laughs> a dumpster fire regardless. And it's just like. This is the perfect era for Snyder, it seems, where it's like, even though Watchmen is controversial among the fan base, it's like, that doesn't matter. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. We're still going to give him projects and you're going to watch them. And like, okay. Yeah. And it's but, so yeah, weird that yeah. this one is the one that gets pushed to the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah. This is the middle child between well, it's... the start of his controversial and then the start of his bad movies with Watchmen and Sucker Punch with Guardians yeah. right in the middle. It's so weird. Well, yeah, it's just kind of, it's a movie saddled with kind of a cursed combination of mm-hmm. things in terms of, you know, it's it's weird timing for Snyder, and it's also, you know, like you mentioned, it was <laughs> one of many Guardians movies coming out at the time. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get Rise of the Guardians a couple years later, and then after that, Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's just like, you know, where yeah. does this movie fit into anything? And also... Mm-hmm. You know, the the name is slightly changed from the book series. Yeah, they, it was they, Guardians of Gahul, and now it's Legend of the Guardians, Owls, Owls of, of Gahul, which I like, don't understand. Why would you double your like word count? Practically? Yeah, because the Guardians of Gahul would be fine because it's like that's just the name of the time. That's just the name. Yeah, 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 it's just like yeah, of course, or just the Owls of Gahul. Yeah, I think that's fine too. But at the same time, I think they thought 
the legend of the, the legend of the guardians sounded badass maybe or like I they're guess. like or like this yeah. this also gives sounds it some incredibly vague though yeah it gives it some mysticism adventure qualities yeah. to it because it's like ooh, what are the guardians and owls of yeah. god what does that mean like i don't know what i don't really know how you sell this film again that's what's so frustrating about this is because i remember the trailer i remember the trailer being gorgeous and well put together but i still didn't see it yeah. i still didn't try to go see it it was it was that film where it's like everyone who had seen that trailer was maybe saying that it was gorgeous, and then the conversation ended there. Well, yeah, and and another part of the issue is it it was coming out kind of in the midst of the the boom of like young adult fantasy novel film adaptations. Yeah, it's it's right before Hunger Games. Right before and Hunger Games, and, you'd already gotten Percy Jackson, I think. Yes, at this point. which was which I don't which wasn't a flop, but critically was yeah, not done we well, so it took a about while. About to wrap up Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And, a year later yeah. it would be Harry Potter's end. Yeah, it's it's like so in the it's midst. kind of this mix where mm-hmm. like it's almost like kind of you know people complain about probably a superhero fatigue or superhero oversaturation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was probably kind of a similar thing for like kids fantasy adaptations and it's also that weird it's also that weird kids fantasy era where it's like or that like section where it's like yeah the the you could probably as a parent know what they look like in terms of like what the books look like and Mm -hmm. know what your kids are talking about but like i can see studios being afraid to kind of be more serious which 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 makes this film so astounding the fact that snyder didn't back down in terms of the more serious aspects of the story yeah where the story does feel like an epic tale that feels with betrayal and death and sadness and conspiracy narnia very lord of the rings yes it's not talking down to kids and it's not trying to talk down to adults it feels very much like if you took your kids to see this film i think anyone could really get something out of it that's enjoyable (laughs) yeah which it's just it's just a, it's just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it is it's it's so funny too that like once we finished this film, our friend who wanted who thought they were gonna hate it seemed like he was having a hard time admitting that it was <laughs> Snyder's like it was a good part on Snyder. Oh, yeah. And it was like, no, this this is good. Like it it just that's what feels so weird about it, is like now we're in the midst of Snyder's re like resurgence in the DCU. Yeah. When and it's hard to think if there was a time where, like, he was still finding his footing and he was starting to become controversial. And out of nowhere comes this really good kids film that feels very Dom Bluthian in <laughs> terms of how it handles its subject matter. And the writing's actually really, really good for, like, trying to take, let's say, 600 to 700 yeah. pages it's, of content. It's clever, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it also just, like, I mean, I guess there are some... There are some moments in the film where it's like, in the beginning of the film, you get introduced to our main character, Soren, who's a white owl. His family, his, like, not his twin brother, but, like, they're close in age, uh, Clud. We all thought it was Clyde for a while, but it's Clud. And um, you see his parents, you, you see their parents, and you see they have a nice home life. And then they basically get kidnapped, like, ten minutes later. Mm-hmm. And you never see the parents again, even though even though later on the uh, the antagonists kidnap their baby sister too, and it's not really implied as to whether or not they had to kill the parents to get the baby sister. Yeah. So it's like that. That's like one gripe, I guess I have in terms yeah, of it, like. It, yeah. The beginning really seems like oh, the family's going to be super important, and then yeah. they're never around. I think in general, um, probably the biggest knock against this film would be. It, from a story standpoint, it's just super conventional. 
Yeah. Uh, I think oh, yeah. I think the the ways that it impresses are more, you know, in the kind of flair and little creative flourishes it takes here and there, whether that's visual or, you mm-hmm. know, in the way they, they build out the world through dialogue. Like, those bits are really nice. But in terms of, like, plot progression, it's very obvious mm-hmm. where it's going. You've seen it before. Yeah. Um, and even by the end, you're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, that that was it, your it does, typical kids' fantasy It does fantasy kind story. of rush to the end. Yeah. Not in a bad way. I mean, but it still feels like they only had, like, a few more minutes left. Like, they, <laughs> they were told, like, they could only have 100 minutes max. Yeah. So they had to, like, get to the at least, we have to get to this point so we get to the credits. <laughs> yeah. And, again, doesn't take away the emotional intense, like, doesn't take away the emotional aspects that much. It just, it does feel like, oh, I guess we're getting to the end now. <laughs> yeah. And and I think probably in general it didn't help in terms of you know uh, cementing itself in the you know culturally uh, that all the characters I mean they're they're basically you know photo representational owls you know they don't they're not yeah. anthropomorphized no. really other than like the things they do yeah. like in terms of their movements and their bodies they look like normal owls um, yeah they get the animation they get the and, movements so right. Yeah, they're very they're it's, very like biologically accurate. And the size difference, like the differences in sizes, yeah, are it's great. close in characters that are you know you got the tiny little owls that burrow in the ground, and you've got yeah. giant you know great horned owls, and mm-hmm. seeing them kind of interact is cool because you know in animation it seems a lot of times like characters mm-hmm. are kind of just you know uh, homogenized, yeah, to where kind it's of like, look like each other or whatever. Yeah, and even though we know that there are different sized owls, it was like almost like a shock to the system to be like, oh, that's right. That's the difference in sizes between certain types <laughs> yeah. of owls. Like, yeah. it, it's, like there's you one that's forget. like ten times the size of another. Yeah, you get like you get introduced to, like another companion to Soren named Gilfi who is like super small. Yeah, and then you get to like uh, Hugo Weaving as Gimbal, and he's like this huge. Yeah. Like it's like immediately you start getting like which works in well with Soren's kind of growth and his kind of story, where it's like you go from like everyone looking like him being the same size to like this new place where everyone's these different sizes and yeah. evil. It's like, it's so, it's just such a good movie. It's yeah, so it's, weird. Yeah. Like, it's just weird that it just kind of consistently works. Yeah. Um, it's very, when, sim- when kind of a, tra- a trademark of Zack Snyder is that mm-hmm. some parts work, some parts work really well. Yeah, and a lot of parts don't work at all. Yeah. It's like, let's try to put a little bit of my flourish on here and it might go a little too far. Yeah. And it's like, oops, well, we're going to keep that in the movie. This movie doesn't really have that. No. I mean, the, yeah, there's tiny little flourishes where you're like, oh, yeah, I, I can see how Zack Snyder was the one to come up with that idea. But, like, it just fits in perfectly. Like, yeah. like the in the combat, there's a lot of kind of, you know, ramping up and down speed mm-hmm. to kind of catch an uh, you know an iconic fight moment or whatever um catch kind of a still frame in the middle of the fight and like that's very snyder but like it works better than most of his live action stuff i think it works, and i don't yeah, know if that's the just because it's, because it's animated or because it's you know creatures flying in so you you know ramp up the speed when they're swooping and then slow it down when they crash together yeah. and that just is a natural i think a natural that's, place to do I it i think that's definitely because it's animated yeah. where it's like in in live action, it's that situation where you're trying to manipulate an, an actual object that lives in the real world and trying <laughs> yeah. to make it change to do a different speed or in a different way. Or well, as in this, you can literally make the owls do whatever and yeah. make it feel a lot. You can more animate smooth. it all like, in real yeah. time and then slow it down, or you can yeah. And, it. and like this film, like the finale is this big battle sequence where it's like 
it's just a bunch of owls just going head first into one another and <laughs> just there's crash into there's, each other there's in the good end. fast cuts there's good slow motion and you never lose track of who's who um i mean i don't i didn't personally feel like i was losing track of like who the good and bad guys i, I were never it was never scenario. to the point where i lost interest because the, yes. the fighting was really yeah. cool even mm-hmm. if i couldn't tell who was who i do think there's the the film has a little bit of a pitfall in making all the owls so realistic yeah where when they're flying mm-hmm. around real fast it's like ah that could be any of them yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I, but I can see in, that. in the important moments you know when you've got soren versus mm-hmm. you know metal beak the, yeah. the villain yeah or you know you've got got a, got a main character versus a main bad guy you can tell what's happening yeah. and who's who and... which again metal beak the main antagonist is played by joel edgerton <laughs> who's still Who's around now and is doing more, I think, directing stuff and is still acting and whatnot. This was very early in terms of, like, his rise into more mainstream films. Yeah. And he kills it. It's so weird how, like, I watched a video of him doing the Metal Beak voice. And even though I was looking right at him, it still (laughs) just did not sound like him. He was putting so much effort into being the antagonist. Everyone in this film, you get Helen Mirren. Jim Sturgis, Hugo Weaving, Jeffrey Rush, all these like really good actors yeah. putting everything into it and it actually pays off to make it like actually work to the point where it's like in the beginning of the film, I think we all had this feeling of like I'm kind of getting everyone's name, but I don't have every I don't know if I'm gonna ever yeah. remember people's names. But by the halfway point, actually going into the third act, it's like I kind of i knew everyone's name to a degree where it's yeah, like the, the core characters yeah. anyway and like the antagonist where it's like you got helamirin's naira you've got you know clud who's super fun to watch kind of watch his descent into being an evil owl per se <laughs> and it also seems like the film knew that that was going to be an issue maybe for kids because they do a great job and if you don't really hear their names all the time they have unique designs yeah. Like, uh, is it, it's Bubo, the main owl, who's like a snowy, like a Hedwig owl. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, like, yeah. he is, he's such a different design from everyone else. He's like <laughs> one of the only owls that looks like that. That, like, even if you don't remember that his name is Bubo, which, why would you? You at least know that he is the leader and you know where he's at in a fight because he is yeah. the way he is. Or like Jeffrey Rush's character, where it's mm-hmm. like he's, he's so ratty and scrangy. It's just like, he sticks yeah. out, even though he's all brown with a little <laughs> bit of red in there. It's like, it's really, it's just, again, it's just a shocking. It's just so, so shocking that at this point forward, when we talk about Snyder, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Or it's like, or at least in, in our case, it's going to get real bad and then maybe a little bit better. And then it's just going to be a roller coaster of just like, <laughs> duh, just frustrations. Yeah. So like, it was, it was, it was very nice to just go into this film and be, so pleasantly surprised and yeah. to just be like honestly if someone asked me like if they say have you ever seen this film it's like yes and if you haven't i would honestly recommend this film like <laughs> I, I would i would rewatch it again would i own it probably not but at the no. same time like it's one of those films where someone's like you know one of my favorite films is guardians of gahul <laughs> i'd be like cool like i understand there's the appeal is really nice it's just a really fun really just well put together film that doesn't ever feel like yeah. it's slowing down no it, it moves yeah. pretty briskly yeah. and i mean and in you... certain moments that's a negative thing mm-hmm. like it moves a little fast yeah. but for the most part it's just like keeps your attention and you can def- and like i agree with you too that there is predictability to the majority of the yeah. film like i i mean i we talked about like 
and this is probably where the first book ends. Yeah. And, like, and this is probably where the second book ends. Like, you can kind of <laughs> tell where they're kind of, like, going into the first act, yeah. or going into the second act, where the first act ends is, like, they escape the evil place, and then the second act is basically trying to find the Guardians of Gahul. Yeah, and then the third is saving the f- yeah. saving their friends. Yeah, and the third one is... the town and get the crown of Mr. Krabs. Yeah, you know, and have a pint to just let it all blow over. Yeah. It's kind of like that whole situation well, where it's, like... <laughs> I laughed in like the first five or ten minutes when the Clud and Soren fall out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Like five, ten minutes into the movie, Adam's like, Oh, they get they get enslaved and then one of the brothers goes evil. He's like, I'm calling it now. And like, he was right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, those thing too is like uh spoiler alert for Guardians of Gahul if you wanna watch this film after listening to this, which go right ahead if you want to, but Metal Beak does die in this film. I won't say oh, how. Yeah. It's a great. It's great. It's a great fight between him and Soren. Metal but Beak at the dies, end, but he lives on. Yes, at the end of the film, the last thing you see before the credits is basically Clud finds the Metal Beak helmet, and then he gets like these evil red owl eyes. And then it's very much because I'm pretty sure in the books, Clud does become the second Metal Beak. Like they're basically just like. Doing actually the best way in a long time that I've seen like a setup for a sequel without feeling like you need that film. Where it's right. like, there's so many films where it's like, oh, can't wait for the next one. And it's like, you're not going to get a Just second kidding. one. Yeah. With Legends of the Guardians, it's like, it kind of still fits in with like the idea of like a folklore, kind of like some stay, Clud's still out there. Yeah. And it still looks really well on its own. And in all honesty, uh, I don't know if it's better. Like, I think I personally still enjoy Watchmen a tad more. There's, but I it's think still, it's, it's still kind of a situation just with as, 300 yeah. where Watchmen is just, there's more to pick apart. You yes. know, there's more to kind of study mm-hmm. in it. And yeah. So that kind of has the advantage, yeah. at least personally, over Gar- or yeah, Gahul. Gahul. Yeah. But like, as a general experience, Gahul was this just... This was the best one. It was just straight <laughs> up enjoyable. This like, was... No disappointment whatsoever in this film. <laughs> it was at the point where it's like, maybe I should now just start looking for things to bitch about because I'm not finding anything right now. I'm just yeah, really enjoying this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, is, there, is there anything else you want to talk about with this? Or should we get into uh, talking about the next trilogy? Yeah, I guess I guess we should. Well, I mean, yeah, any, I, do we have any... I guess we could have done this last episode and we didn't really think about it. But like, oh, yeah. do we oh. want to kind of put any, any closing thoughts on, on Snyder's... I I will say before we do that that I did write down what the box office was and I just will oh. I will tell you because it was uh, <laughs> it was an eighty million eighty million budget so 40, okay. 40 less than Watchmen and it made a total of a little over a hundred and forty wow so it okay, made so. it made less than Watchmen yeah because I think Watchmen made well, and it one probably didn't really profit when you factor in marketing. Yeah, so it's one of those films where it's like it's again it's it's again another film that like Snyder, which I think this is maybe his best reviewed film. I uh, don't know this or Watch this or Watchmen, but like I do think it's in the the upper pantheon yeah, of like his better like, films. Like fifty six or something on yeah like fifty three on Metascore. Yeah, so I think it may be either that or Watchmen is like his best reviewed films, mm-hmm. and even with that. It still doesn't make its money back, but it's not a horrible flop. Same ballpark. Okay, yeah, so it's in the same area. So, like, in that sense, this is a film that, like, obviously we understand why it doesn't make its money back, because I don't know how you really market this film. And it's it's in a weird spot in youth fantasy where, like, 
even if I even if we said like wait five years, I still think this movie probably wouldn't have made money because then it would have been in during the dystopian young adult novel craze. Yeah, yeah. like it would have had to fight against like you know Hunger Games and like Divergent, and it wouldn't have wouldn't have stood out. They would have been like, that's the Baby Owl film, without really understanding. Yeah. They're like, no, there's more to this. But yeah, that is Legend of the Guardians. The Owls of Gahul. It is. Better than two of the three films in the Rise of Snyder trilogy. <laughs> and I guess if there's anything to take away from the trilogy as a whole is, like, I do think there's a part of me that respects a little bit more of, like, the ideas that Snyder puts out there as a director. Where it's, like, I don't think, again, he's not a, he's not a savant. I don't think he's <laughs> one of the worst directors out there. But I do see in this build-up from Dawn of the Dead to Watchmen and then this bonus with Gahul... I completely understand why studios trust him with big studio movies and why people like his work. So, and honestly, after this, it only gets downhill from here. So I'm going to just enjoy the fact that I like Snyder stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're about, well, we are over the hill. (laughs) Yeah, we are. We are at the tip. We are going to go way down as soon as we pick this back up sometime next year. But yeah, but that's, that's going to be, all of Snyder for now until yeah, that until is... we get to see the kind of release season for mm-hmm. Justice League Snyder Cut yeah, next once, year. Once we find out when Snyder Cut is coming out, we're going to start planning on finishing the remainder of his films, mm-hmm. which will start with a prequel with Sucker Punch, just to right. get Sucker Punch out of the way. Because I'd like to brush that under the rug as much as possible before we. We get won't into be that. advertising that episode. Oh no, oh, we will. <laughs> we will. Regardless, if you. <laughs> We are definitely just going to. Everyone's going to have to suffer with us as we yeah, get yeah, through yeah. that. But um, until we get to that point, we do have our next trilogy set up, and it is a Halloween trilogy that we are so excited about. Do you want me to say it, or do you want to do it? Uh, I'll go for it. Go for it. Don't take this from me. I'm not going to take it from um, you. Well, as you know, now that it's October second and mm-hmm. it's officially spooky season. Uh, yeah, we're doing a Halloween trilogy, something mm-hmm. a little creepy, something a little classic, something that maybe you haven't seen before. It, it is definitely, I will warn, if you thought we were going to get less weird after The Rise <laughs> of Snyder, we're actually going to get weirder, much weirder. Much weirder with this trilogy, um, but it's going to be a really fun one. Yeah, so this is uh, director Dario Argento's Three Mothers trilogy. That's right. Which you may recognize the first film in the trilogy, Suspiria, as kind of an iconic horror classic Mm -hmm. um but he went on to make two other films that kind of tie together with suspiria um and spans what 30 years yes yeah so we're we're going to be taking argento who is like one of the kings of the giallo italian subgenre of horror and we are following what he calls his three mothers trilogy which is 1977 suspiria 1980s Inferno in 2007's <laughs> Mother of Tears. Yeah. And all three of these films are tied together by just a lot of different things. I we'll think get it's into thematic, isn't it? It's thematic, but it's also certain there, there are certain elements. story elements yeah. that are tied to it as well, which we will get into in next week's episode, which I am so excited about. <laughs> we are going to start the Three Mothers trilogy with the classic Argento film 1977's Suspiria. I'm excited for that one. I, you've never seen it, right? No. Oh, it's it's so good. It's yeah. it's such a shocking film, and just like 
the like Argento has disregard with certain things that are like basic like filmmaking <laughs> stuff because yeah. it like it works in his way of how he makes films and like Argento is an Italian director who is very well is very I guess would say is very niche in terms of like if you're super into horror and you're looking uh, for different yeah. stuff you hear about Argento basically from those people where it's like Oh, you're you're sick of that mainstream horror. Yeah. Here's that Italian stuff. And it's yeah, like, he's, his work is like super respected by like the niche like film buffs yeah, by horror and, fans. and horror yeah. fans. But like you're the average person either has never heard of it or hasn't seen it. Yeah, it's it's it is an acquired taste, and I'm not saying that if you don't if you don't like it, you're not enjoying it or whatever. No, it, yeah. it ex- is. A... I'm expecting to have <laughs> some kind of mixed thoughts on it, but because I'm excited also. There's so much interesting here. stuff, at least in the first two. In the third one, it's going to be interesting because that was a film that was like, again, it was. I think it was an idea for a long time, and obviously, it took. Th- three decades after the first film to get to it. Yeah. But yeah, this is going to be a different series where it's like, it's going to be a trilogy that doesn't follow numbered. It is going to be mainly thematic with Mm -hmm. some, maybe some lore kind of story beats sprinkled in with all three. But yeah, next week we are starting our super spooky Halloween trilogy with Argento's three mothers in 1977's Suspiria. All right. That, about covers it do you have anything else you want to talk about don't think so i think that covers it for our first prequel all right so if you're listening on october 3rd that is today's that is today's day because we always film it live it's (laughs) never beforehand (laughs) so tune in on october 10th when we talk about 1977 suspiria but until then i'm logan sowash i'm andy carr and thank you so much for listening bye